Mindfulness to me is ultimately about power. So if you want to be powerful, you have to be fully aware of yourself in every moment. And it's that being able to, in the heat of a triggering moment with a colleague, in the heat of a triggering moment with your boss, when you want to like, I had one this week where I'm like, I might fire a client right now. But it was like, all right, let me just breathe into this and let me feel what part of this is being activated in me. Where is the opportunity for growth? So if you're ambitious, growth-driven women, mindfulness is the way to always be accelerating your growth. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Before we get going with this beautiful interview, I want to just take a moment and let you know that I am struggling with a little bit of a head cold today. So if the intro sounds a little bit fuzzy, just bear with me because this interview is going to be amazing. Thank you so much. All right, let's get into it. Have you heard the phrase, hold the vision, not the circumstance? This is a powerful statement that has completely changed my life especially when I'm stepping into something way bigger than myself. A mentor of mine, Mary Morrissey, said this to one of my dearest friends after a series of unexpected circumstances created doubt in her mind that her big vision would not come to reality. How often have we been there, in the weeds, feeling like the circumstances are slowly tearing down the vision we created for ourselves? It can be easy to let circumstances catch us off guard. I know because I can speak from personal experience. Fast forward a little over a year later, my friend's big vision came true because she focused on holding that vision. So what I want to know, are you stepping into a vision or passion that feels bigger than you right now? If so, today's interview will set you up for success. As we close out this decade and set the vision for 2020, I invited Elena Ray to speak her truth about mindfulness and mindset. Mindfulness and mindset are key to activating any vision we hold for ourselves, including healing miracles, which many of us are working towards right now. Maybe you're trying to get pregnant or you're trying to get your autoimmune condition into remission. No matter what your journey is, having a vision for how you want to feel a year from now is powerful and it can be your guiding light when you need it most. One of the ways that I use mindfulness and mindset every single day is with meditation and journaling. I know that I've mentioned one of my favorite journals here on the podcast, and I thought I would share it with you again since it travels everywhere with me. My Speed Dial the Universe journal is here with me now. I'm actually in Maui working on my upcoming book, and I definitely have a vision for that book in 2021 when it comes out. And my journal and prayer are two tools that I use to attract my vision into my life because it's a daily practice and it sets the tone for mindset and behaviors to launch me towards my dreams. If you don't have a daily practice yet, we're going to be talking about some practical tips today. And if you're interested in checking out the journal that I use every day, I will have a link in the show notes for the Speed Dial the Universe journal for episode 149. Now, before I bring Elena on to share her experiences, I want to take a moment and celebrate your wins. One particular healing rock star is Elise, and I'm excited to shout out her win that she shared on iTunes back in late November. Here's what Elise had to say. I love this podcast. 
Through my two-year journey with infertility, I have learned so much and crave learning more. Dr. Marisa is encouraging, engaging, empowering, and will kick your butt when you need it. Well, Elise, you are absolutely a woman after my own heart. Thank you for sharing your story and big win, and I am holding space for your amazing fertility journey. If you are listening, Elise, I would love to gift you a signed copy of my book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. Just feel free to reach out on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Marisa, and we will get it to you ASAP. Now, if you are listening, number one, I am so happy to have you on this episode listening in. This podcast is all about empowerment, and if any of these episodes have helped you in any way, I would be honored to shout you out. You can reach out to me via Instagram, Facebook, or simply review this podcast on iTunes because that is the gold standard here in the podcast world or whatever podcast platform you plug into. That way I can continue to support more women who are ready to become the CEO of their health. Now let's dive into this eye-opening conversation about mindfulness and mindset with Elena. But first, I want to sing her praises. Elena Ray is a self-mastery coach who helps entrepreneurs understand their subconscious mind, remove blind spots so that they can level up their careers, relationship, and health. She's a business coach for entrepreneurs, coaches, and personal brands. She has been nomadic for six years and in between Bali, India, and Berlin. She loves meditation, techno music, yoga, nature, good coffee, and dance. Let's bring her onto the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast. Elena Ray, how are you doing today, honey? So good. Coming to you guys from Bali. Amazing. I how is it beautiful there? It is. It's it's kind of always perfect. I just love it here. Oh, wonderful. I love it. Well, I am so happy to bring you on. We are digging into some some big big topics of conversation, areas that each and every one of us could just use a little bit more work in and explore in. We're going to be talking about mindfulness, but most importantly, areas that I love to talk about are breaking patterns, breaking limiting beliefs, and old stories that we are telling ourselves about our health issues. Ooh, that's so powerful because so many of us, we become our our healing issues. We end up identifying with the condition that we have. So I'm really excited that we're going to be having this conversation. Before we get into the limiting beliefs and the stories that we keep telling ourselves, I would love for you to talk to me and tell us a little bit about your journey. Because I know that you have had an incredible journey transitioning from the corporate world to the work that you're doing today around personal transformation. Yeah, so I started my career out in New York as a management consultant at IBM, and I was like literally wearing suits and heels on Wall Street. And that didn't last very long. That doesn't resonate with my heart. Um, I did it for about two years. And then I decided to take a huge leap into working internationally. And I landed a job that sent me to West Africa. And I started running um, projects for a company in emerging markets. So I lived in Africa and Asia and Latin America for about two and a half years. And that job was literally meeting with presidents and prime ministers and presenting them proposals to work with major international media that we were representing. Total dream job. And out of that, I got into career coaching 
actually. And I had started blogging about my shift and why I did that, why I left New York and why I took this crazy job that sent me to Lagos, Nigeria. And that was my first time coaching. That was back in about 2013. So I've been coaching for a while, but that was really practical stuff and helping people in these transitions. And then eventually I burned out of the traveling job and went on my own healing journey that, you know, I traveled for a year and a half and went to India and I've spent a lot of time living in the ashram with my teacher there and studying yoga and meditation and really getting to the core of what I'm here to do. And I realized that I always wanted to do personal development work, but I felt like a limiting story (laughs) and a limiting belief around it being like, who am I to just be a life coach or just help people with their personal growth. You know, Tony Robbins does that. I don't do that. And then it was really when I moved to Bali and went through another healing transformation that Bali provides that I resolved that inner conflict. And I worked through those stories and I decided, no, this is what I'm here to do. And I transitioned my coaching business. That was really this strategic level. You know, let me help you get that international role into deep self-mastery work with people and holding space for healing and getting connected to their purpose and transforming their health and relationships. And that is what I've been doing for the last year and a half. And it's deeply, deeply rewarding. And I'm so happy that I didn't settle for the type of work that was just kind of coming naturally through my entrepreneurial venture and really decided, no, I'm going to rebrand. I'm going to do the thing that is true to my heart. Hmm. In all of this transition, because some of these jobs do in, in career move do sound so amazing. What was the thing that kept kind of tugging you in this direction? What did one of those defining moments look like where you thought to yourself, like, no, I need to listen to this inner, this intuition inside of me? Well, I was at one point working for Uber and launching international programs for them. That was like the very last stint I did in the corporate world to make some money when I was running out after living in the ashram for so long. And then I just realized I was coming home and skipping happy hour because I had quit alcohol. I had a big wake up around alcohol at some point in my journey. And I was reading personal development books. I was reading books on psychology. I was reading books on health and transforming my own self. And that was my biggest hobby. I didn't want to go hang out with my colleagues and I didn't want to do the stuff that the company was organizing. And I realized like, I really don't fit in here. This is crazy. Look at where my interests lie when I choose what I want to do with my own time. And it just became more apparent, honestly, getting my own health in check and quitting alcohol and doing a lot of the the work I did early on in my healing journey got me closer in touch with that intuition where it was just undeniable. It was like this this red flag every time I woke up and tried to go to my job. And then I actually got laid off from my last corporate job. So it was sort of a self-induced, self-sabotage self-firing situation that I'm so grateful for because it was the universe was like, we can't let you go on any longer. This is so obvious that you're not supposed to do that. So we're going to release you from this. Mm, I love that. That's so powerful. Yeah. Just knowing, you know, one of my favorite um, quotes is hold the vision, not the circumstance. And it just really speaks to when we hold that vision for what that may be, like things are going to come and go and, and we're really going to get to step into what we were meant to step into. 
let's define self-mastery. You know, this is a women's hormone podcast and, you know, that's the beautiful thing is we have so many incredible women listening in who are ready to claim their, their space, ready to kind of put a stake in the ground for what they want to do. But that does require a little bit of work that requires that self-mastery and getting clarity on what it is that we truly are meant to do here in the world. I was listening to a podcast on Oprah's masterclass and it was actually Oprah telling her story. And it was part one of this two-part series. And she talked about, she's like, you got to find a purpose. And if you don't got a purpose, that's the first step. You got to get clarity on your purpose and then set that vision up. And so let's talk a little bit about what self-mastery is. And not only has it helped you in your life, but how can we leverage self-mastery in our own lives for creating what we want? I define self-mastery as really making the unconscious conscious in a very simple way. So the things that are conditioned into us by other people, by society, really bringing a lot of awareness and mindfulness to that. And then through that process, being able to have more freedom of choice because the things that are unconsciously driving us, we have no idea it's even going on. So we don't have any control over it and it's just going to run us into the same walls over and over again. But once we start to see those things and look inside ourselves that just a one layer deeper, two layers deeper, all of a sudden we have more decisions to make. We see more parts of ourselves, And that's what I really help my clients do. And it's been the work that I've had to do on myself during those periods of transformation is looking at like, what's the wiring? What's going on inside of me that's causing me to make the decisions that I'm making? And if I want to make different decisions and I want my life to look differently, then I need to really get into my subconscious. Mm, love that. So Absolutely. So much of our life, we're kind of being ran by unconscious programming and things that we were told at a young age that we don't even know where we're kind of falling in line to. When you're looking at this, if you were to take an example of somebody you were working with, you could tell was just living, maybe living their family's life, right? Living the life that people like one day you just wake up and realize you didn't even want to do the thing that you're doing. You know, probably for you, that was the case too, right? You're like so many, I've had friends who, you know, would literally in law school or who had become attorneys and then looked back and thought like, oh my gosh, how did I even get here? Like, it was never what I wanted to do. What are some of the ways in which we can begin to explore that? Because if we don't know and it's unconscious programming, how do we even begin to dig in to know what is true for us versus what is not true for us? So a big part of my story had been traveling, right? And traveling to a lot of kind of unconventional places. I lived in Ethiopia. I lived in Mongolia for a while. And I ran a team in Mexico where I was the only English speaker. So I had a lot of time to take a step back and to be with myself and to be in environments that were unfamiliar. And not everyone can do that or needs to do that. But that was what helped me get into myself. And so I help my clients like design a space, more spaciousness in their life to take that step back for themselves. So it's really like slowing down and coming to stillness. Like sometimes we really need to slow down or we need to full stop in order to speed up and move forward or move in the right direction. And sometimes that's a really hard pivot. And so it's like, how can you, even if you still have to get up and go to that job for a while because you have children or you have a paycheck to get to, how can you go, okay, I need to redesign my life a little bit right now so that I have more quiet, so that I have more space for myself, so that I can start to do some of these self-care practices. And it really came to like, 
step back, get away from society, hear myself think, and then actually taking care of my body. That was a big part was getting back in the body, getting back into my body wisdom, feeling like I was a clear channel again, that I could think straight. So all that intertwines really deeply with taking care of your health so that the clarity about your purpose and hearing your heart can come through. Hmm. So what I'm hearing a little bit, cause I know this could be, you know, like these, these concepts can be new. Like I, one of the things that really struck me when you were telling your story earlier is that you, you know, you came back and you were working within a corporate experience again, and you were choosing out of happy hour. You had chosen like that alcohol with that path and all the things that your coworkers were doing or that kind of culture was doing. It just didn't feel like the right fit for you. Could it be that we should kind of like take a moment and reassess, like what are the things that fuel us or make us happy? Like what are things that make me happy versus not? Or maybe even take a moment and assess how we're feeling. Like if, if the life that we're living right now has me drained, has me stressed, has me worried, maybe even has me with an autoimmune condition, whatever that health journey looks like, that I should start looking, like taking a step back, looking at it like from an outsider's perspective and begin figuring out like what in my life isn't serving me versus what in my life has me feeling good. Would that be a way to kind of start? Absolutely. Yep. That's one of the things. And I call this like looking for incongruence in my life. Mm. That's a big sign that there's a limiting belief in play when your external circumstance look one way and you think like, wow, actually everything's going really right. And, you know, by some standard, I, I should feel happy. But then you actually check in and it's like, yeah, I'm no, I'm just feeling stressed out. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling like I don't want to go connect with others. So there's like this incongruence going on. So it must mean that these things are not, they're not right for me. I found that when I had like an upper limiting belief when business started going really well last year and everything was going up and up and up. And on one hand, everything's going great. New relationship, health is wonderful. But I felt a tremendous amount of fear. And that incongruence and that gap between the situation, how I was actually feeling was a big red flag that, oh, I'm having a belief that I've had for a long time that there's only so much good before something bad happens. And you know that was a red flag to one of those that was going on for me. So absolutely what you said is 100% true. When I love that you share, and thank you, I love that you share not only a little bit of vulnerability here, but also that it, it really speaks to any of us, all of us, you know, we, we get to a certain point and our limit, even we can continue working through those limiting beliefs. You can continue to work through those stories, but uh, you know, I would tell people like new level, new devil, right? You get to that next new level and then you're like, huh, like your stuff comes up again right? Like you're at this next new level and you're feeling good and everything. And all of a sudden those little limiting beliefs start to creep back in because you're getting challenged like in this next new phase in your life. And so I love that you're addressing that too, because even when we've done the work, I think what the work allows us to do is to recognize it sooner. And that I love. Yes. And this goes back to another point of self-mastery is sort of understanding that it's never done and there's never a there. And I, I work with a lot of people that really seem to want to get to a state where they're like, once I'm there, then I'll be able to be totally happy and I won't have any problems. And you know, the quote, like your only problem is your desire to not have any problems. So for me, self-mastery is this understanding that I have a new home base to come back to in myself. Whenever I have a challenge, I have a place within myself. I have tools that I use. I have a self-healing method. I have ways that I relate to myself that are so firmly in place that it doesn't matter if my relationship 
falls apart. Doesn't matter if I get fired again. Doesn't matter if I lose a client. I can come back to that. Might be like a wild swing into something that feels really scary, but I can bring myself back to that center and feel it and work through it and apply all the mindfulness. And I will be okay no matter what. It's really like this ultimate self trust that comes with the mastery work. Mm, I love that. I know one of the things that you said to kind of get a sense of what's going on is be able to step back and to be able to kind of take a pause or a break. And I know that a lot of the work that you do as well is connected into mindfulness. And as we speak to this beautiful audience of mine, I'm not going to lie. I have struggled myself with mindfulness, you know, cause I was, I was always the Tasmanian devil with lip gloss on. Like I was, I was, I prided myself on efficiency. You know, I was the kind of girl who could heat up coffee and take a shower at the exact same time and then both be done at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like, like like I would pair things together. And I know, you know, we think about women in particular, because it's who we're talking to right now and how women are all things to everybody, right? And as we're taking on all of that, it can feel like rapid fire. Girl, convince us the importance of mindfulness. (laughs) Because I know that there's a lot of women here who are like, ooh, I got to keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? So speak to me about even that mindfulness in the self-mastery piece, but then how are ways in which we can leverage mindfulness for our own healing journey? Yeah, mindfulness to me is ultimately about power. So if you want to be powerful, you have to be fully aware of yourself in every moment. And it's that being able to, in the heat of a triggering moment with a colleague, in the heat of a triggering moment with your boss, when you want to like, I had one this week where I'm like, I might fire a client right now, but it was like, all right, let me just breathe into this and let me feel what part of this is being activated in me. Where is the opportunity for growth? So if you're ambitious, growth-driven women, mindfulness is the way to always be accelerating your growth. And so in that moment of, you know, this woman drive me a little bit crazy, I didn't respond right away to the message. I sat with it and I go, ooh, I'm feeling some fire in my belly right now. So what does this remind me of? What's going on for me? Why is this reflection coming up for me? Why is this being presented and how can, like, what do I need to do to rise to the occasion? And that's what mindfulness is about me. It's not about having the perfect meditation practice. It's not about slowing down and and, and being like crawling through life at a snail's pace. It's like getting back in your power and allowing every single opportunity for growth to be harnessed so that you can rise to the next level again and again. Mm. I love that. I think that's phenomenal. You know, so often we find ourselves very reactive and reactive due to limiting beliefs, reactive due to trauma, reactive due to feeling triggered. And in that moment, you feeling a little bit triggered right by that message. And I don't know what she said, but I I know that place where someone says something and you're just like, oh no, she didn't. And you got to do your best to not respond in a way. It's one thing to know to do it is it in that practice when we recognize that we've that something's triggered us up? Do are there a series of questions that we should be asking ourselves? I just loved the questions that you just gave us. Really, just like, well, what's this coming from? Why am I feeling this way? Why is it being reflected back to me? What can I do in order to grow in this moment? Are those the types of questions that we should be asking ourselves every time we feel we feel triggered out, or maybe every time we're feeling pushed or you know, when someone's trying to get us to do something. 
Yeah, judgment's actually one of the first lenses through which I'll work with someone on to really deepen their self-awareness and kind of embark on this path of self-mastery. So it's it's really great that it came up. And so I think that's a great exercise too for anyone listening is to think of the the one person lately who really, really got under your skin, the situation and how you felt about it and like draw that up to your mind right now. And then ask three questions about this. So this person, maybe it was someone at a meeting who was just talking over everybody else and you were leading the meeting and they were jumping in and you were like, oh my gosh, I want to just kick you out of the meeting right now. But a good step back there is to look at, and then I ask three questions. The first one is, is this characteristic that this person is displaying, is this something that I've repressed within myself? Two, is it something that I actually need a healthy dose of, a little bit more of that? Not maybe the whole flavor, but a little bit of it. And then the third one is, is this something I've actually done to someone else? So it was really interesting with my client there was definitely a limiting belief about my own coaching and my own abilities. And I was making it about me. And so that's why I couldn't respond to her in that moment because I was making it about me and that's not in service. But it was more like I had also done that to my previous mentors. I tend to be a little hard on the people that I hire and work with. So it was a really good reflection of, ooh, have I done this? Am I doing this in other areas of my life? And it requires really brutal honesty, but that moment allowed me to grow and reflect and be more compassionate to other people around me and to myself and to her. Mm, I love that. I love those questions too. So, so powerful. Elena, do you find, you know, in this work, because I, I feel like there's a lot of moments where you are looking at some hard truths about yourself. You know, you, it's, it's definitely, you're looking at, so, so many of those moments are really a reflection of who, or maybe what you've done in the past too. Where do you interweave grace into this as well? Oh, I love that. So grace to me has two meanings and I want to check in on the one that you mean. So grace to me can mean like unexpected miracles basically of the universe. Like sometimes some realizations I've had are just by a moment of grace that, I couldn't have engineered. It was life itself, like holding an intervention for me. And then there's grace in terms of like the ease at which we do something and the elegance with which we do it. So which one did you mean? The second one. <laughs> okay. So how to be brutally honest with ourselves mm -hmm. and do it gracefully. What a beautiful question. Yes. This comes down to a lot of self-compassion. Hmm. This is such a good question. Well, what I wanted to speak about was the emotional side of all of this that, you know, some of the things I was just talking about really worked with the mind and like seeing the thing and looking at it through the mind and certain mindset shifts perhaps, but there's a whole other element of this, which is the emotional side, the emotional reality. Um, of a situation. So sometimes when we do that hard look, the first thing that's going to come up is anger. And it might be directed at someone else first, but it's usually anger at ourselves. If we're angry at somebody else, it's usually, you know, matched by, oh, I let that happen. Oh, or the grief of like, wow, I've been carrying this, this leaf around forever. I have this story about my health that's still with me. And actually, before I go any further into like problem solving, when I come up against stuff like this, or figuring it out mode, I process emotionally. I take that time to like go, okay, I don't need to figure this out right now or why I'm like this or why this happened. I actually just need to feel 
as deeply as I possibly can, the shame, the fear, the anger, the sadness, the guilt of the situation itself. And I find when I'm open to my heart and open to my feelings and I'm able to release and process whatever it is that was that hard truth that's coming up, then it creates, you know, where there was contraction and sort of like a, oh, I just saw something in myself like, oh shit, it's really scary. Then I'm able to like relax into it more. And the the feeling and the release causes more softness and more space to then afterwards kind of problem solve and then think about what to do. But so often we kind of skip that step and we're going into like, oh, I see something. I got to fix it. There's this problem with myself. I got to fix it. Mm. It's like we have to feel it because that's where the healing occurs around it so that it doesn't become something that then, you know, two weeks later we go, I thought I dealt with this and it's still here. It's still coming up again. Because we didn't address the feeling of it. Absolutely. So often. Do you find, I don't know if you work with mostly women, but do you find that for women that that tends to be the thing, you know, the the quick to fix? I work with equal numbers of men and women, actually. And I find for both that when I'm able to guide them into, okay, let's just pause in this moment, step back. We just discovered something. How does that sit? How is that feeling? And there's often so much grief around limiting beliefs and stories that is going unnoticed and that it, it across the board causes a profound shift in the person and it actually breaks the pattern. Like I kind of visualize it as like being in the cells, it's in the nervous system, this holding on that causes the pattern to come back and again, because the universe is saying, Hey, you haven't faced what it really is yet. You haven't seen the thing yet. You haven't integrated it. And by feeling it, we give ourselves that opportunity to integrate and to meet it and to move on. Mm. Well, and we know that on a physiological level, when we're holding on, traumas, grief, you know, we're holding on to deep seated emotions, we're holding on to limiting beliefs that those things manifest into disease in the body as well. And it is absolutely fracturing our not only our central nervous system, but also our cellular function. So I absolutely agree with you 100% there. So much of that deep healing is that emotional deep healing. And it's so fun that you get to see that transformation of someone kind of releasing that as they kind of step into what they're meant to, to step into. Yeah. And it's not all of this, you know, like just feelings and then, you know, some tears and like, I actually get to see someone. I'll give an example of a client of mine who Mm -hmm. about four weeks ago, you know, had a lot of trauma around her mother, a lot of mother wound stuff going on, a lot of overeating in her life, like just trying to get a business off the ground and a big state of transition, tons of family stuff going on. And when we were able to process the anger, that was the emotion that was like the charge in her body and every body's kind of got a different charge. She was angry and like, didn't really know it. So we processed that, got it out in a way that she's never felt the anger moving through her body in that way, coming out of her cells in that way. Like three, three weeks later, this woman's got her first client in her business for several thousand dollars. She has a man who is proposing to her to be in an exclusive relationship, which was one of her biggest goals when we started coaching together. And then my favorite part was she didn't just call me up and tell me that she went, I actually told him I want to think about it because she was so in her power. And her whole family had reflected back to her over the past few weeks that they had seen such a shift in how she was showing up and not being the little bullied sister in the family and really like commanding respect and her whole, like everything in her life shifted basically after she had, you know, really worked with that anger. So that's just one example of how this stuff really 
leads to results in a practical way in your life when you liberate yourself from the contraction that's in the body and the emotional body. Mm, mm, I love that. I want to shift gears just a tiny bit, although I'm sure we'll stay around this area. But I want to talk about, because we were talking about, you know, breaking patterns and limiting beliefs around our health. And I want to tie health back in. I have a feeling that health may have played a role in not only choosing the career, but also the life that you're living today. Can you, can you speak to that in, in the importance that health played a role in, in where you're at today? Right. I'll give the before snapshot, which was me and, you know, corporate Sue and heels working in, I was, I was actually in the Middle East at the time working in Doha, Qatar and partying. It was like the thing to do is go to like expat brunches where it was all you can drink champagne. And I ate whatever, like tons of meat and just like, I had no, I was always thin. So I never had like an external alarm clock around what I was eating. But at some point, the dissatisfaction with like my life circumstances, even though it seemed really glamorous on the outside, was that incongruence that it was like, hmm, something's off here. And for whatever reason, wound up reading the right book at the right time that put me on to this idea that alcohol caused disease. And I did a lot of reading and research and I just felt into it. And that resonated with me. It felt like, you know, I haven't been my best person when I've been drinking and I never really had a drinking problem. I just felt like, you know, it's really, it's not doing anything for me and I'm spending a heck of a lot of money on it here and I'm not like getting deeper friendships and I don't feel good the day after it's hurting me when I'm trying to get ready for these meetings with like the president of the country. I'm going to go on a 30 day, just like take a step back from it and leave it and see what happens. And just did an experiment with it. And that was really the gateway into the aftershot, which is now me like five years later, haven't touched a drop of alcohol since. And I'm vegetarian, yoga teacher trained, daily meditator, very health conscious. And I couldn't have imagined me choosing this, but it was really done in incremental stages. And I know that taking the step back from, a, in my opinion, a toxin like alcohol really gave me the clarity in my mind and my body to listen in. And then that led to like, what else doesn't feel good? All of a sudden, I don't have this this alcohol. I don't have this heavy hangover. What else do I need to listen to? And then it felt like, oh, you know, when I eat a lot of meat, I'm also not feeling good. And I read that book about, you know, balancing our meat choices. So maybe I'll cut back on that and see how I feel. And gradually, all of those decisions confirmed my intuition. It was building that self-trust. And I did it in an experimental way that was you know, I never intended to never drink alcohol again. I just did the experiment. It felt good. I kept listening to that. And then I found something else that felt good. And that definitely put me on the path to want to teach that to others and hold that space for others. Mm. I like that so much because, you know, so much of what I advocate is that that, that first step that first step in the direction, whether it is getting rid of alcohol, maybe it's it's taking sugar out of the equation for seven days or 14 days, whatever that looks like, or maybe it's doing meditation for 10 days and just seeing what happens. And what I love so much when we open the door to true healing miracles, like we continue to step, keep on walking in the direction of, of that health, you know, like when you make a really great decision in the morning, you may, you most likely will continue to make great decisions throughout the day. And so I love that you speak to that journey of like, well, I just wanted to try this one thing and just see what happened in this experiment. And then that led to this and it led to this and it led to this. And I think that's so often what a health journey looks like. You're not always, you're not doing all the things at once. 
you know, as you feel good in where you're at, you're adding more things to, to your life and to your body in your healing journey. And I don't know if you had a specific healing journey as well, but was there anything that you had to release as you were moving towards healing? Oh, yes. Do you mean like release in terms of like a big pain wound or a behavior? Or I'm just curious what a combination, right? The behaviors or maybe or maybe it was, yeah, a pain wound, a trauma with speaking into not only, you know, kind of uncovering what that health journey is or a- addressing that condition, whatever that may be, you know, we know that there's a little bit of work that comes with it. I was just curious about kind of, well, what was some of the work that you felt you were, you were making as you were getting healthier and healthier? Yeah. The thing that came to mind just now is this, like one of my core hangups. And I always, like, I think we all just have a core soul lesson to learn and we might learn it again and again. And mine was, I seem to feel lonely no matter what. I seem to like look externally for love and validation no matter what. And I was nine years single, by the way, through all of this. And that was one of my biggest pain points was like, what's wrong with me that I haven't been able to attract someone? And that was the story, right? There was a story that there was something wrong. It's actually one of the biggest things I had to release that I had to take a good hard look at was realizing where I had come to believe the untruth that I was separate from love, that I was not love itself vibrating in all of my cells, that my essence was not the very thing that I was trying to find through a relationship or that I was going to use a relationship to validate that there was nothing wrong with me. And no man wants to be used as like some kind of like puzzle piece in my own soul mission that I have to work out for myself. So of course they weren't showing up until I figured it out myself. And when I was able to do and a lot of emotional processing around the grief of aloneness and realizing the irony of I am not alone. I am the oneness. And there was a lot of spiritual work that went into that. But when I really embodied that and I really just started doing it a practical way too, I'd go in a cafe and I'd sit and I'd close my eyes and be like, all right, the next 10 seconds, I'm going to try to vibrate with love and feel that I am this love essence and then watch what happens. And people would all of a sudden like come up and like talk to me and there would just be like, you know, an easy conversation that happened or something really mystical would happen after that. And so I got the confirmation, you know, this really is who I am and I could relax into it and detach from needing a relationship to mean anything about me. And I, I fixed that story. And then like a few months later, actually I wound up getting into a very supportive relationship. So I think that whole journey with love itself was the biggest thing that I worked through. Mm, Love that. Love that so much. The other thing I was wondering, I was just one thing, you know, talking about, I think so much in there too, is, is mindset and thinking about mindset and asking, you know, what was the biggest mindset change that you made that changed not only your life, but also your wellness? Biggest mindset shift for me in general has been realizing when I was in a place where, and I think a lot of us have this, looking at a lens of just what's going wrong or what's like in any given situation, 
the thing that's making me uncomfortable and focusing on that. And we all know that the energy flows where attention goes. Mm -hmm. And that was making me crazy because that, that translates very easily into your health. Like you could be doing the best that you've ever done. And if your mind is going to focus on that one extra piece of pizza that you ate or that one piece of chocolate that you have, you'll make yourself crazy. And I had that with relationships, for example. And this it's the mindset that shows up in all areas of your life. So there would be a you know a potential partner and I could just see the one thing I didn't like about him. And I focused on that and that created distance and disconnect. So of course I was staying single when I had that. I see it all the time with clients that are overeating or struggling with commitment to their practices. And if they, you know, they're kind of all or nothing and they'll either, you know, run an hour to the gym, work out for an hour, run all the way back, eat straight vegan all day and feel amazing. Or if there's one little slip up, that's all they can see. That's all they can focus on and then completely fall off the rails and then don't want to continue on. And so bringing awareness first to that mindset's the first step to be able to go, okay, how can I course correct this and, and have my sanity as, you know, as I change and grow. So having a mindset of it sounds like too having a mindset of of kind of grace because we're going to make mistakes and we're going to we're going to have little slips and we just don't you know the focus shouldn't be in that one moment you know that we're able to kind of course correct and get back on track I absolutely agree I love that mindset and to kind of see it as a whole and not like the one little thing that one little thing that we get stuck on uh, which I can find can be like a little bit of a loop too in those moments one of the biggest things that I try to tell myself and that I instill in it, it doesn't matter that whatever the client's coming to me for, it could be health, it could be career, it could be relationship challenges. It's the allow yourself to make mistakes. I think we've all grown up in a culture and a society that there was so little forgiveness for making mistakes, whether it was from our parents or teachers in school or our peers who might have bullied us for one thing we did or an early heartbreak or someone dumped us because of one mistake we made in the relationship. Or maybe we've done that to ourselves. And to really make it one of like my primary things that I work on personally is how can I allow like space for not everything to have to be perfect and for giving myself permission to make a mistake and, and hold myself through that and maybe do a little inner parenting around it if my you know, my parents were pretty forgiving, but other areas of society are not. And I have to do that for myself, even if society might beat me up for, for whatever. When I got fired from my job, that was huge. I had to hold myself through that and say, I'm giving myself permission to have made a mistake. I've had an amazing career up until now and not tell myself a story or attach too much meaning around it and just allow it to be part of the journey. I love that. And we explored so much and we got super deep into how we can start to unpeel the layers and really do some, some really incredible healing and to learn how to not react, you know, that mindfulness piece, giving our power back, I think is, is so profound and so powerful. Anything that you want to leave us with kind of a last minute, little way of wrapping up that we can walk away from. Yeah, I want to give you four little elements that I teach to put into your daily routine that I find lead to more intuition, taking that step back, feeling really good in your body, and they're really simple. So the four things, and if you already have a routine, you maybe just find a way to incorporate them. The first one is breath. Really, every day when you wake up, finding some way to pay attention to your breath, even just big size and you know deep inhales, finding some way to connect to your breath that brings you back into the body and lets the body speak to you throughout the day. 
The second one is the Qigong practice. I always do a bit of shaking every morning. It's like really shake, move energy. And that allows me to feel what's going on in my body even deeper after I've connected with the breath. And the third one is sound. Make some sound. Activate the throat chakra. Activate this center of the body that's going to go out and receive inspiration and give boundaries throughout the day and speak your truth. And to activate it, just making some, ah, you know, whatever sounds come out. Um, I chant mantra as a yogi. And then the last one is remembering darkness. So every day, and you know, a lot of the spiritual traditions, you know, have this one as meditation. But it can even be standing somewhere in nature and closing your eyes and feeling the breeze and being in the darkness and feeling your senses, but not being afraid to every day spend some time in that inner world, spend some time in the mystery of who you are, and the like. That the self mastery practice is essentially you'll never really become self mastered. It's the journey. It's the intention to do it to know deeper and deeper layers of of who you are and that's through exploring the darkness and to do that in a practical way and in a spiritual way. Mm, Love that. I love, love, love that. And it all just feels very, very doable. Where can we find you if we want to plug more into what you've got going on? Besides flying to Bali. <laughs> we'll come to Bali as well. And elenaray.com is my website. And you can go to my freebies page. And I have a free book about chronic stress, how to deal with that. I have a free peak state training, a five-day training. Tons of freebies over there for you guys. And you can also connect with me on Facebook, Elena Ray. Perfect. Well, Lena, honey, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your brilliance. You've given us so many aha, not only aha moments, but also little strategies and ways in which that we can begin to incorporate this work. So I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you. It was really a, a pleasure to share and to speak from the heart. And I hope your audience takes a couple practical things away and, you know, one bit of inspiration. Mm, I love it. I have a feeling that they are. Well, thank you so much, honey. Enjoy your beautiful day in Bali, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you so much. I want to take a brief moment and say thank you for listening in today as we approach the end of the year. I realize that this is a different type of conversation that we normally have here on the podcast, but I wholeheartedly believe that you deserve to create the life that you want to live along with feeling happy and healthy too. I believe we can have it all, and I want to set you up for success. And don't worry, I will be closing out this year with some amazing episodes on healthy holiday tips, how to heal chronic fatigue, thyroid healing, I mean, name it, so much more is coming between now and the end of the year. Elena's stories were very powerful to me. How did it feel? I hope you feel as inspired as I did. And if you want to learn more about Elena and her work, I will have her website up for you to check out in the show notes for episode 149. Again, thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. On the next episode, later this week, I'm bringing on Andrea Marcellus to give you some amazing perspective on never needing another health-related New Year's resolution again. Andrea is going to be painting this beautiful picture about creating a healthy life each and every day so that we don't need resolutions to get the results that we're looking for. I am so excited for this interview. I know you're going to love it as well. Until then, have an amazing day. Have an amazing day.